2: We're reviewing past rookie scouting indexes on RotoViz Radio. What's up, RotoViz? Back to Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst at Rotoviz, joined by the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matt Friedman. Uh, we hope that everybody out there is managing to stay healthy and doing well. Uh, Matt, we planned on popping right into this episode, seeing as uh, we kind of went through your finance podcast um, collection <laughs> yes. to start off last week. Yeah. So let's just jump in this week. 2018, um, boy interesting running back class um this is another one actually kind of like 2017 in which it would be hard to have too many things that you quibble on with how this list was put together as it went Uh, and again if you didn't listen to last week's episode the rookie scouting index also known as the rsi is where we go to more traditional scouting film watching outlets gather their rankings normalize them put them together to get a sense of which players the scouts think are the best at each position. So it went Saquon Barkley, Darius Geis, Sony Michelle, Ronald Jones, Nick Chubb, Kerryon Johnson, Rashad Penny, Royce Freeman, Mark Walton, Naheem Hines, Kalen Balage. I think it's actually interesting here. To some extent, you know, I have to say that they did better than Rotoviz did. I was pretty high on Royce Freeman. That didn't really work out as a site. We were collectively high on Rashad Penny. That did not work out. Darius Geis, certainly you can make the case that injuries impacted him there. Um, Nick Chubb, we did have a little bit higher, which I think, you know, in retrospect makes sense. Ronald Jones still kind of remains a question mark, though. Um, given this list. Do you see any major problems with this in hindsight? Um,
3: yeah, I don't know. So I guess it's, it's a couple of things. One, it would depend on what you want to use this list for. If you want to try to use it as a, um, a predictor of draft position, uh, or if you want to use it as a predictor of, uh, NFL production. Um, but I think that, uh, I don't know, like I think Rashad Penny should be higher. Like, I don't want to, I don't know. It's hard. Like, okay. With wide receivers, um, like on last episode, I was really dismissive sort of immediately of, um, Corey Davis. But, um, you know, like, I think it's a little bit different with wide receivers um, because I think that position, like the production you see there is a little more predicated on skill versus opportunity. Um, Whereas with running backs, I think it's just much more based on opportunity. And uh, also, like, we've had only two years of uh, action from these guys. And so I don't want to write off any of them just yet. Um, But, yeah, I mean... Like, I'm still, okay, it's not as if I'm optimistic on Rashad Penny. Like, I think he's going to bust out, but, uh like, I don't think that means any optimism that was surrounding Rashad Penny was wrong. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, um... You know, it's tricky, I think, with Penny and Jones, because we've both seen points where they do get some opportunity. Sometimes they've managed to harness it. Sometimes it's kind of been squandered. Uh, But like you said, two seasons in and they're both still in situations where it's not unrealistic to assume they'll get another crack at things in 2020. You really kind of can't write them off. Well, Um,
3: okay. so Chris Carson, I think he's going to hold off Rashad Penny. But I just think that has more to do with um, Chris Carson and the situation than with Rashad Penny and like with everything it's it's probabilistic. So even which it's, it's good and bad, but like, even when we're wrong, that means that like, we don't know exactly why we we're wrong. Like part of it was probably like uh, faulty logic or faulty analysis or bad process or whatever. But part of it is also just randomness. Like Darius Geis, a lot of that's randomness. Um, yep. you know, so it, it's hard to know how to interpret, um, the results Of what we've seen with these guys in the NFL and then like apply that in a backwards looking manner to uh, both like to the RSI and then also to like our own personal projections. You know, like I don't think I was wrong to be high on Rashad Penny, although I very well might have been, Um, you know, like I will still think that uh, everyone was way too high on Sony Michelle before he became a first round (laughs) draft pick, Um, you know, like. I'll just I'll probably continue to stick with like these weird opinions, even though I will probably like be quote, "proven wrong."
2: Yeah, so let's take a minute though, and talk about Sony Michelle. I actually don't remember the last time that we talked about him. Um I have two questions for you here. Do you think, and it sounds like you don't? that if we move Sony Michel to a different team, he could have been successful as he was for that stretch where he was getting used a lot by the Patriots. And then the second part is, um, you know, what's your outlook for him? I think it's another one of those where you really just don't know what to expect. But as long as he's in New England, I, I don't think that we're going to see him getting, well, I shouldn't say that, but I don't think it seems very promising for him. But I could see him getting moved, picked up by another team and then kind of resurrecting for himself for another season or two.
3: Yeah, I'm not uh, super interested in him for this year. And, um, you know, when he was playing with the Patriots, uh, especially his rookie season, uh, you know, Brady was still a really strong player and he was running behind one of the best offensive lines in the league. Uh, I think he had a really good situation, especially because he was playing in a, a good offense. So he was going to have extra opportunities to get touchdowns. Um, I'm just really not enamored with Sony Michel. You know, so like if we had to do this over again, um, and kind of like disregarding his draft position, but still kind of thinking about the um, the opportunities that he would get, I would probably have him like eighth on the list. Um, yep. I'd have him ahead of Royce Freeman, but like I wouldn't want to have him ahead of. I mean, even Darius guys, I wouldn't want to have him ahead of guys. Like, I still think Michelle is behind Jones, Chubb, uh, carry on and Penny, you know, that's just, that's the way I kind of rank them as, as talents.
2: Got it. All right. Um, my final question related to the 2018 class, Naheem Hines, we saw him have a pretty strong rookie season, um, but still a player that has to be used in a certain way Not ever going to become a player that you could see used in every situation, you know, barring significant injuries on an offense. Where would Hines fall out for you in this list, you know, moving forward from 2020?
3: Yeah, I I would probably have him behind Freeman and then ahead of Walton, so maybe he would be nine, maybe he would be eight. Yeah. you know, I actually still like Hines. The I think there's this assumption that uh, he is only a receiving back, but you know, like that's the same assumption that um that people would have had with like Austin Eckler, uh, like for his first two seasons. The the difference is that Eckler was always much more efficient running the ball than Naheem Hines has been. But um I don't know. Like there's I think there's always the opportunity that someone like Hines can be a better runner than
2: than we expect. Fair enough. All right, let's uh, transition over to wide receiver. So This list went Calvin Ridley, Cortland Sutton, Christian Kirk, James Washington, Anthony Miller, DJ Moore, Michael Gallup, Auden Tate, Dante Pettis. I think the thing that we'd want to pick on to start um, in the analytics community probably had this one more correct with uh, DJ Moore falling out at six. Um, And I think you and many and I think I would as well would argue that DJ Moore at the current point in time is number one on that list and probably should have been number one.
3: Yeah, uh, I liked DJ Moore uh, more than Ridley at the time. I liked a lot of other players more than Ridley at the time. And, uh, you know, like Sutton, I was really optimistic on Sutton, uh, optimistic on Gallup. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think like, we're still at that point in their development where, um, you know, we could see sort of fluctuations, but I still think I prefer DJ Moore Michael Gallup, and Cortland Sutton to Calvin Ridley. Like, I just don't see Calvin Ridley as a potential number one receiver, but all of those other guys are.
2: Yep. Um, And does the situation that Kirk's playing in worry you now? Granted, we did talk a little bit about Arizona last week, Um, but don't you feel that it's going to be hard for Kirk to assert himself at least in the next one or two years, given Deandre Hopkins being in Arizona and some of the other players that they have, or do you think that Kirk is good enough that the other players in the depth chart, he can keep suppressed.
3: Yeah. I'm not too enthusiastic about Kirk right now. Obviously the addition of okay. Deandre Hopkins, I think is really bad for him.
2: Yep. Larry Fitzgerald is still in the, in the fold too, right? Somehow that so, guy is uh,
3: still alive. I mean,
2: yeah, it's amazing. Um, I wonder who's playing at a better level this late in their career. Fitzgerald or Frank Gore? Oh, man. Uh, I might go Fitzgerald. I mean, yeah, I think I would, too.
3: I don't. Yeah. I mean, Fitzgerald still had like 800 yards receiving last year. Like he's probably getting too many targets, but um, I don't know. He's like he's still. I don't know. He's, I think, barely below average for the wide receiver position. Um, I think Frank Gore last year was significantly below average.
2: Yeah. Okay, we don't need to spend too much more time with them. Uh, real quick here, James Washington and Anthony Miller. Um, just thoughts on those two. I think Washington. You know, it's kind of hard to know given Ben Roethlisberger being out last season. Uh, but obviously they have Juju. Um, they also have Deontay Johnson, who had you know maybe a decent rookie season for what people would have expected. So where are you on Washington?
3: Yeah, I'm interested in Washington. Um, You know, I I liked him coming out of college. Um, I think he's still athletic enough, uh, even though he's not super athletic. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that the targets are there. We just kind of have to wait to see how he clicks with Ben Roethlisberger. But I'm I'm still uh, optimistic about him. Anthony Moore, I'm... Anthony Miller. Yeah, sorry, Anthony Miller. I'm not as optimistic on him as I probably should be. Like, I know that uh, in the second half of the season last year, he had some bigger games and, um, you know, his rookie year had, was it like seven touchdowns? Like he's, he's flashed at points, you know, probably enough to where I shouldn't be uh, as pessimistic as I am, but I don't know. Like he's, he's not that big. He's not that fast. I don't know like he's just sort of whatever to me
2: got it all right moving over to tight end the list went Hayden Hurst Dallas Goddard Mike Kosicki Mark Andrews Ian Thomas those were the top five only other notable names, uh, Jalen Samuels was down at nine, which was kind of tricky because people didn't exactly right. know what position to include him at. Then you had Chris Herndon at 10, Will, Dis- Will Disley at 13, who, <laughs> if you just look at what he's done in the games that he's been in, has been fantastic. Uh, I think for you, were you, I actually don't remember as high on Mark Andrews as you are now. Would you have had yes. him closer to that top ranking? Okay, Yeah, he
3: was, he was my number one, uh, well, sorry, behind, um, behind Goddard. Uh, but but then I liked Andrews and then Gesicki. I liked a lot of the tight ends in this class and actually what's kind of notable is that, um, I was super down on Hayden Hurst and I really wouldn't have thought that he actually did have a chance to, uh, be the first tight end off the board. But, um, I mean, the RSI came pretty darn close to nailing the draft order of the top five. Like it actually might've gotten it exactly right, which, uh, is, is pretty impressive.
2: Yeah, that is. Um, The other interesting thing, too, about Hayden Hurst, wasn't Hurst selected by Baltimore prior to them selecting Lamar Jackson?
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, they took Hurst, uh, you know, in the first round and then traded back into the first round to get Lamar Jackson.
2: Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. All right. um, I think the other thing here, too, Goddard at two, um, it's hard to say given the fact that he was taken by the Eagles and has been playing behind... um, Zach Ertz so you know it's kind of hard to rule whether or not that was a hit or a miss
3: uh that was a total hit Goddard last year was uh still like a top like top 10 top 12 fantasy tight end even though he was like the number two tight end on the team um you know I think he could get even more playing time this year um you know and Ertz is you know eventually gonna tail off and like Goddard's there to be the guy when they need him um, you know, yeah. like six six hundred yards, five touchdowns in his second season. Like OJ Howard wishes he had that type of year.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, the quarterback class was really interesting. Uh, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Mason Rudolph. I think I can see why Lamar Jackson. I don't think that this is one where analytics people really were all over Lamar Jackson either um josh rosen probably a miss um uh, sam darnold like i guess I, I don't know this is this is kind of a confusing one too at, at this point i'm still not even really sure how they should be ranked
3: yeah um people had lamar jackson higher um let me let me rephrase that uh i had lamar jackson higher <laughs> um but like i think i had him number three And, um, yeah, I mean, it's because he was a 21 year old Heisman winner who could, you know, get yards with his legs. Like, I mean, that's sort of separate from what he might mean in the NFL, but, uh, I felt pretty sure that he was worthy of a first round pick. Um, but I, I believe I had Darnold number one, um, Mayfield number two, Jackson number three, Rosen number four and Allen number five. And, um, you know, in retrospect, I was, I would say I was too low on Allen, but he's just the type of guy I'm going to be too low on. Like, even if he, um, has decent fantasy production, I just, I don't know. Like the difference between Allen and Jackson is that I think Jackson is actually talented. And Mm -hmm. like, I think he, you know, he was 21 years old. Like he could develop into, uh, I think someone you could win the Bowl with you know, Allen was, I believe 23 when he was entering the league. Um, maybe I'm wrong on that, but like he was definitely, uh, older than Darnold Rosen and Jackson who were all 21 year old, uh, rookies. You know, I just, you know, I didn't have the faith in him and, um, he was, you know, inconsistent, uh, inaccurate in college. And we've seen that in the NFL. Like even if he's producing as a fantasy player, like I just don't want a Blake Portals type of player on my team.
2: Yep. Fair enough. Uh, well, we need to look at uh, 2019. But before we do, we're going to take a quick word from our sponsor, Bet Online. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on, well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports events and games to wager on, or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website to join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Matt, have you ever bet on the weather?
3: No, I have not. That's uh, just not the kind okay. of thing I would do. I, I like to burn my money
2: in other ways. <laughs> okay. All right. For 2019, what do you want to talk about first? Running backs or wide receivers? Uh, Running backs. All right. So... Oh, wow. This is an interesting one. Number one was Josh Jacobs. Number two, Damian Harris. Number three, Devin Singletary. Four, Montgomery. Five, Miles Sanders. Six, Daryl Henderson. Seven, Benny Snell. Eight, Ronnie Anderson. Nine, Justice Hill. Ten, Travion Williams. This Damian Harris at number two. Oh, yeah. This was the two Alabama backs. Jacobs at one. Damian Harris at two. Jacobs Um, I think you could fairly say that uh, this actually was a pretty good call. The Damian Harris one, how would you opine on this, seeing as he kind of got stuck on that Patriots depth chart, never even had a chance to play? Uh,
3: I am not at all discouraged. Um, You know, like I know that sounds weird, but um, especially because uh, he was productive in college. He's a good receiving back. Um, So much of, you know, running back production in the NFL is just based on opportunity and you know it was pretty clear entering the season that he wasn't going to get opportunity, so I'm not holding that against him. um We saw years ago uh with Stephen Ridley and with uh Shane Vereen, like both of those guys were drafted in the same season as uh like second and third round picks. They played behind like Danny Woodhead and ben Jarvis green Ellis uh neither one really got much action in their rookie seasons and then they came on in their second years. Uh, I think Damian Harris has a chance of doing something like that, whether that's this year or next year. Um, I don't know, something just kind of feels like the Patriots wouldn't have drafted him in the third round if they were totally satisfied with, with Sony Michelle uh, and what he had done for them as a first rounder the year before.
2: Yeah, I think the thing to keep in mind, too, with a player like Harris is we haven't seen anything from him yet, but that at the very least, I think, is better than seeing a player who got a lot of opportunity and wasn't able to do anything with it because this is something that teams can't really hold against him. It's kind of a unique situation that you have there in New England. And with some of the movements that they've made on defense, um... You know that's going to shift things on special teams, where you know the Patriots have a couple of positions, and I'm I'm sure a lot of teams do, but that are reserved for certain players for special teams. Yeah. Uh, so it might be easier to get Harris involved in game situations in 2020. Um, in I should say oh, sorry, one second. in all yep.
3: in all fairness, so even though I was just uh, very optimistic sounding on Damian Harris, uh, Miles Sanders easily should have been the number two player at the
2: position. Yes. Okay. Um, Yeah, I don't think we even really need to go into any more detail on that one. Um, It's going to be interesting. At the end of 2020, we could be looking at Daryl Henderson, who I will say I ended up putting higher than Miles Sanders last year, but it looks like he's going to get his crack at it this year for the Rams. You were not as high on Daryl Henderson as I was. Has any of that opinion changed? And what do you think of him being ranked at six?
3: Uh, Yeah, I mean, the opinion has changed in that Todd Gurley is now gone. Um, so yeah, I mean, it looks like he has a shot at an opportunity, but like we're still talking about a guy who was a third rounder, um, you know, and like not a big guy. Um, I don't know. Like it wouldn't be surprising if, uh, if the Rams drafted a running back in, you know, like the second or third round this year, like that just, that wouldn't surprise me. And then it's like. Daryl Henderson, are we really that excited about him? And even now, like even if he is uh, the lead back, like I still think Malcolm Brown is going to mix in quite a bit. So, you know, like I, I think we all see the potential Daryl Henderson has. It's just like a big question as to whether he really gets the opportunity.
2: Yep. Um, the only other running back I'll ask about so we can fit the rest of these in Justice Hill was at nine. I know that you liked Justice Hill. Um, given what you saw last year, do you think him falling at a ranking of somewhere around, around nine makes sense? Or, uh, you know, is there any any more optimism, optimism remaining for him?
3: Yeah, I'm still long term optimistic on him. Um, you know, it's hard to know what to do with Benny Snell. Rodney Anderson was talented, but, you know, late round guy uh, injury issues and then injured last year. Uh, i I think he'll, I think there's a chance he'll could be the guy there in, um, in Baltimore next year, not 2020,
2: but 2021. Got it. And then at some point this off season, I want to talk about Bryce Love quickly, but let's talk about the wide receivers. So DK Metcalf actually ended up at number one in Keel Harriet two. AJ Brown was down at three. Marquise Brown at four. Hakeem Butler, Kelvin Harmon, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Debo Samuel, Paris Campbell, Riley Ridley, and then Andy Isabella, Emmanuel Hall, Terry McLaurin, McColl Hardman, Jacoby Myers. Um, I think that that Metcalf pick at one at the time, you didn't know what to make of it, but boy, Metcalf had a tremendous rookie season. Obviously, AJ Brown was fantastic. And Keel Harry, we talked about before, I think, or actually, I might've been talking to somebody else about this, of the fact that, you know, perhaps Brady leaving allows him to have more opportunity in 2020, because it looked like Brady did not want to throw it to him. Um, Akeem Butler at five is probably the the most egregious here. Um, I don't know your your thoughts on this class.
3: Yeah, it's hard to know what to make of um what to make of Harry, but uh I don't know, like I yeah, I mean DK Metcalf, I think he was he was such a polarizing player last year because you could tell the upside that he had, but you could also see how um it it could go horribly wrong if he was asked to do things that weren't in his particular skill set. And then given how far he dropped in the draft, Um, like, remember, I mean, last year, like we're looking at the list here, it was a pretty loaded wide receiver class. So given how far he dropped in the draft, like we were thinking he might be the number one wide receiver taken. And he was the last pick in the second round. You know, I still had him ranked, uh, in, you know, fantasy rookie draft rankings. I had him behind a lot of other guys. And, um, I mean, maybe it's a mistake, but, I don't know, like at some point, like the NFL market tells you what it thinks about guys. And even though uh, I thought DK Metcalf was talented, like I still thought all of the other guys drafted ahead of him were also talented. So like there wasn't any way I was really going to put DK Metcalf ahead of like Debo Samuel. Like, and I know that might sound weird, but like Debo also had a really good year last year, you know, so I was fine being relatively low on DK Metcalf and if I had to do it over like if I know his draft position and I like I know everything about him I I would still put him relatively low
2: yeah I think that's fair um Hollywood Brown I know we were both critical of how highly he was drafted last year had severe questions about him he did get off to a good start in 2019 then things kind of tapered off Um, in comparison to our initial expectations for him, do you head into 2020 valuing him as a better prospect or uh, do you think that we kind of were correct?
3: No, I think he's better. The only question that I had about him was speed. That was like, that was literally the only question. Um, you know, I know like he wasn't a, uh, like a big market share producer, but I thought he was productive enough in college to, um, like to make it work. But, um, the only question was speed. Like if, if he had been, okay. So he was five, nine, 166 pounds. It's so small, 166 pounds. Like if, yeah. he, if he had been six, two and 206 pounds, I wouldn't have cared about the speed, you know, but like if a guy is 166 pounds, he needs to be blazing fast. And we just didn't right. have verification of that. So like, I was never in a position where I thought it would make sense to, uh, to be high, to be high on a guy like that. But, you know, like once he was drafted in the first round, like I had to have him as a dynasty first rounder for rookies, because I mean, he's a first round wide receiver, uh, with a lot of production, you know, or enough production.
2: Yeah. Um, Andy Isabella at 11, I think that was, you know, there's a lot of analytics people pretty high on Andy Isabella, which it just for people to remind you, it was a really interesting profile. You had a guy that was so quick. In his games against SEC schools, even playing at Massachusetts, had like a couple of tremendous games. Um, and then you saw him land in Arizona where it looked like there was going to be a chance for him to get on this team that had a solid rookie passer in Kyler Murray, had drafted a lot of wide receivers, looked like he could make his mark. Um, have you kind of given up on Isabella? No, not given, not at all. No, no. Still I holding mean, on. Yep. Uh,
3: it's probably stupid, but um, I mean... He should be ahead of Hakeem Butler, ahead of Kelvin Harmon, and ahead of Riley Ridley. You know, like he's still just entering his second year, and we know what kind of potential he has. Um, so I'm still I'm still all on Andy Isabella. I don't know if it ever happens, but he's someone I I want to have exposure to.
2: Okay. Um, Terry McLaurin seems like everybody was just too low on him. Yeah. Was his rookie season an aberration? Are things going to continue? Um, where are you? I mean, it's hard I don't know. Like, we saw something
3: out of this like um something like this with Michael Thomas, where like I don't think he was all that great of a producer. Thomas was better in terms of a market share perspective, but Thomas wasn't super athletic at the combine, but um, I don't know. Maybe it's just kind of something with these Ohio State guys, but you know, McLaurin was super athletic and he was a, you know, four-star recruit to Ohio State. So, I don't know. It's it's really hard to say. I mean, he was a third-rounder and I think in general it makes sense to uh to value first and second rounders above third rounders. So, like I don't think we really made that big of a, a mistake because, you know, there were a number of second-rounders drafted last year. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think obviously it would be nice to be able to come up with some sort of system that identifies guys like McLaurin. I just, I think if you have a system that does that, you'll end up getting a lot of false positives.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair and that that makes sense. So you mentioned something about, uh, you know, a parallel between McLaurin and thomas and ohio state receivers you know often we hear about georgia running backs or lsu running backs lsu receivers things along those lines iowa tight ends how much do you buy into kind of if you will attaching a stereotype to a player for having played at a school do you think that is something that we should be doing or is that just kind of noise that's getting in the way of you know making proper rational decisions
3: Yeah. I mean, I don't do it that often, uh, especially with receivers. Like I really only do it some with, um, like Alabama receivers, sec backs. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean those guys, but like Alabama receivers, uh, Clemson receivers, but like that is also just kind of more a function of, um, a particular coach being in a place at a long time, like for a long time and, uh, having like the track record of recruiting, uh, you know, talent at a particular position. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't actually feel comfortable with, you know, like thinking that the next Ohio state wide receiver who comes up has to be you know, like Terry McLaurin or, uh, Michael Thomas. But, um, I don't know, especially now, cause there's been like the coaching change at Ohio state. Um, right. but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Ohio state and then, um, Whoa! Oh, I'm blanking on the coach's name, Urban Meyer. You know, like he had uh kind of like particular, so his like his receivers had particular types of production profiles, like at Ohio State and then also going back to Florida. So, you know, I don't know, like maybe you could have looked at that and been like, all right, um, just because Terry McLaurin wasn't super productive at Ohio State, like considering that he was uh, an Urban Meyer wide receiver, he was productive enough
2: right or th- there might have been certain traits that Meyer was looking for right. that can manifest themselves in certain ways that you're not necessarily going to see in the raw college production but that translate um you know when a player's put in a situation to utilize that skill set
3: yeah can we talk a little bit about Miko Hardman um sure i think it's hard to um like disentangle his landing spot from some of the hype that he had um but you know he was a second rounder he was a uh you know great athlete at the combine 21 year old rookie uh five star recruit um didn't produce much as a wide receiver but you know transitioned from cornerback to wide receiver in college and still had production as um let me rephrase that still had touchdowns as a receiver as a runner i believe as a return man um it it's hard to know what to do with players like Hardman but um should we have been higher on him in the process and kind of spinning this forward? Like he is Henry Ruggs the third kind of like that rugs is the closest Harmon. Let me rephrase this. Hardman is the closest comp that there is for rugs, you know? So like, how do do we think about Hardman last year and what that means for rugs this year?
2: Well, I think that, And a lot of you you can see this if you look at, you know, you mentioned a comp. If you pull up in the box score scout, even if you adjust for a draft pick, you see him get put into a grouping with players like Paris Campbell, um, like a Curtis Samuel, Bruce Ellington, these players who it's just very hard to know what you can expect. And I feel like a lot of them are always kind of sitting in this area of limbo where you feel like they just need to get the chance. But. You know, they never get their target share to the point where you where you want and they certainly have skills. But um, I'm just not sure that you can ever really trust them too much. So given that he kind of possessed that profile. But, you know, I'm going to contradict myself here because I'm actually probably I probably have, you know, Henry Ruggs at like three three or four in this 2020 class. Um, but I'm still not sure in the case, especially in that class last year that I could have moved Hardman up that much higher, you know, maybe two or three spots. Um, but as you can see, you know, given my kind of wavering here, I'm not exactly sure what to think of a, of a guy like Hardman. but like I said, I do like uh rug significantly more. Maybe some of that does go back to the fact that he was playing at Alabama. I'm not sure.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, and he was still like much more productive as a wide receiver, uh, played yep. wide receiver throughout college and, you know, will be a first rounder instead of a right. second rounder.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I think that plays a uh, a big difference there. Um, speaking, though, of Ruggs, uh, I and I think we've talked about this before, like I'm not too concerned about the fact that Judy kind of outplayed him. If you look at their numbers in their final two years, Ruggs actually was a little bit more productive going into the freshman year. I think they're both pretty young and Ruggs did actually have some decent production as a freshman at a pretty young age at that loaded Alabama team. So, Um, you know, I've seen him kind of falling in some listings, but, um, I just find myself coming out higher from the sounds of it. You're not overly concerned about some of those considerations either. Yeah, I'm
3: not. I mean, I still need to think about where I I want to have rugs, but, um, you know, just based on conversations I've had with other people and on Twitter, like, I think I'm probably higher on rugs than a lot of the more kind of, uh, analytics based, like market share focused analyst.
2: Yeah, um I think there's certain players who you really have to think about the context of their production and Ruggs is one of those players where you have to make some exceptions. Yeah.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yep. That's that's where I am. And so I will probably have him as a uh as a top 6 player in in uh, rookie drafts this year.
2: Top 6 overall. Wow. So that's actually pretty high because I mean, um and we'll have to talk more about the running backs, but I mean Obviously you're gonna have Jonathan Taylor super high. I'd imagine JK Dobbins. I know that you like DeAndre Swift, so he's probably pretty high.
3: Yeah. I just I need to think about it a little bit. But um yeah, I I mean Swift and Taylor will probably be the top two for me. Uh I'll mm-hmm. have Judy up there, I'll have Lamb up there. Um, and then, you know, like some of it with their running backs will just be dependent on landing spot. But uh I think Ruggs is going to be the third wide receiver drafted. Uh, And then, so it just kind of depends on how many other receivers are drafted in the first round. But um, I don't know. I mean, like, I I think like, uh, I mean, we know how important draft position is and not to say like landing spot isn't important, but um, like draft position is like the backbone of everything. And so I think you have to be super convinced of something in order to move guys around in the draft position, you know? so yeah 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 so like if justin jefferson sorry just so like if justin jefferson or Lavisca Chenault go like at the end of the first round and henry ruggs goes like at number 15 you know like it's a decision to move them ahead of ruggs you know what i mean
2: yeah i do um and the thing i wanted to add to you know oftentimes we kind of talk about um situation in draft position like they're entirely independent but lots of times if you're if you're getting selected by a team in the first or the second round it's because they do have a need and they're planning on using you early so there's some overlap there for sure yeah um i do we're not going to talk about this show but we do need to talk more about deandre swift because i gotta be honest matt I am having trouble actually uh keeping him ranked pretty high in my list he seems to be, seems to uh keep falling for me and I know that you that you like Swift so maybe uh we'll talk about that next week Yeah that's fair Okay. All right. On that note, that does it for this week's episodes. Uh, You can reach us at rodovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveKabenFF and at MattFTheOracle. Thanks to BetOnline for sponsoring the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it.